Hello, boys and girls. This is Steve Tripp coming to you live from the Top Strength Project, and this is the Top Strength Cast, a grit original. I am here to denounce the limitless bullshit surrounding the industry by sharing my own personal experiences and insights in an attempt to offer a more direct, sensible, and authentic approach to becoming the best version of ourselves. Other experts at the top of their fields will be joining me to cover training for and competing in strength sports along with all things muscle. It is my goal to offer as much value through this platform as possible because I believe that there is no cruise control. There is no maintaining. You're either learning, growing, and getting better, or you're going backwards. So wake up, be present, be relentless, and let's go. All right, what's up, boys and girls? This is Strip Cam, Steve Tripp. This could be, this could very well be the first episode of the Top Strength Cast. I'm honestly just kind of getting used to all this new equipment. I'm really excited about it, so I wanted to get recording. And um, like I said, just kind of get familiar with all the equipment as things continue to ramp up with all this. So let's get right into it. My, my thought process or the idea I had for this first podcast was... Years and years ago, when um, I opened my first location, I kind of started doing these little these little quick videos. They started off as little quick videos called Strength Tip Tuesdays. The first one, I was training a client, and I think I said, you know, Top Strength Project coming at you again with a Strength Tip Tuesday. Uh, and I think it was like the best way to add size to your shoulders when lifting weights is to put down your fucking cell phone. See you next week with the Strength Tip Tuesday. That was the first one. And then they they kind of built and got longer and longer and longer. And then I eventually got a, got this camera and um, started taking more and more footage and playing around on iMovie a bit. And I actually edited a few, you know, they, they were still kind of short form, but, but longer videos um, more edited videos on on YouTube, and and one one of one of, one of my favorite ones that I, I was just really happy with how it came out was uh, called Ten Reasons You're Not Growing." Um, it was originally inspired by a, a guy named Phil Lerney. If you guys don't know who he is, he's um, he's just kind of a beast in the industry. He's out in the UK, and he's one of the first guys I kind of was introduced to in the sense of, of listening to his podcast, and I just I just learned a ton from him uh, some of which i'm going to cover um when i go through these these 10 reasons you're not growing but he actually he went off it might have been an instagram post around one of his podcasts and he was basically touching on a few of a few a few things that that he thinks tend to hold a lot of people back and a lot of the points he made really resonated with me so i figured you know what? i'm gonna make my own i'm gonna come up with with a few of them i came up with 10 and i ended up putting this video together called 10 reasons you're not growing so I was thinking for this first podcast, I'd bring it up and I would kind of play through all of them and just uh, just build upon them a little bit. Uh, rather, you know, the, the the whole video is a little over six minutes, so I'll play each each of the ten things and and maybe I can elaborate a bit because I think they're really solid. I actually kind of still use this video to this day. It's kind of like the price of admission to train with me. Um, I, I have new clients and people I've been working with for a little while kind of watch it. Uh, and, and you'll kind of hopefully understand why after we go through it. So let's. Uh, I think I got this thing set up right. Let's 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 run through. Let's run through the first one here. 
Up Strength Project coming at you again with another Strength Tip Tuesday and today I'm gonna tell you how I really feel. What? <laughs> Here are my top 10 reasons why you're not growing. So pay attention because you're probably not gonna like what I have to say. Probably not. Reason number one why you're not growing. You're delusional. You embellish and exaggerate everything about yourself. How much you can lift or how much you could before your shoulder or your back. You would go deeper, but you can't because of your knees. You need to realize how much all this fluff is holding you back. You need to get a grip, be brutally honest with yourself. Understand that the only way to move forward is to be aware of exactly where you stand right now. All right, there's your reason number one, you're delusional. So the, the points that I touched upon, we, we all know the type. This tends to be kind of more of a male-driven issue. And uh, to give you an example, we see it all the time. You'll have, you'll have your, your bro on the bench press, and he'll lie back, and he'll, he'll miss a rep, or he'll fail, or whatever, and he'll get up, and he'll grab his shoulder. And, ah, oh, oh, you know, you know I, I could do that. Normally, I can move that weight, no problem, but my fucking shoulder's fucked up, or... You know, he, he, he doesn't squat deep because his back hurts. Or it's just, it's, the, it's these delusions, it's these false excuses, these faux excuses that people will use to uh, explain or justify um, their lack of gains or the lack of strength or why they miss a lift. And really what it comes down to, the only reason you ever miss a lift is because you're not strong enough. Fucking period, okay? And you know what? If you actually do have a shoulder issue, um, why don't you get it fixed? Fix the shoulder issue. How long have you been complaining about your shoulder? Go out and get it fixed. There's plenty of resources out there, you know? And also, if if your shoulder's bothering you and bench exacerbates it, why are you bench pressing? Are you a competitive powerlifter? Are you two weeks out from a meet? Other than that, you probably shouldn't be bench pressing. Chances are pretty good you're probably in the gym training bench to, to build a big chest. And you know what? There's a lot of other exercises that are much better suited to build the chest to, to create a hypertrophy stimulus in the pecs, then bench. Um, bench presses, you know, the, the pecs are a prime mover of the bench press, but the pecs' purpose is humoral adduction. Their, 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 their job is to take the humerus and adduct it across the center body line. So if you think about a bench press, right, for one, you know, when, when you're talking about hypertrophy, and we'll, we'll dive into this more, I'm sure, in, in, in later podcasts. But when you're talking about hypertrophy, it, it's all about tension. That, that, that's the language. That's the language that muscles speak or the, the, lang- the only language that muscles understand that causes stimulus for growth. It's tension. And it's, it's be able to create as much tension as possible over the full range. So with that being said, when you are looking at a bench press, you lower the barbell. The barbell makes contact with the chest. I would argue I could lengthen the pec even more, right? So I, I you know, depending upon my shoulder stability and mobility, uh, or, or the individual's shoulder stability, you know, perhaps we could get more stretch on the pec than a bench press will allow a barbell bench press because the bar stops you. And then when you lock out the bench, your arm stops here, and you have all this degree of adduction to continue. Um, for those of you watching the video, you can see my pec. You know, it's, it's contracted at the end range of the bench press, but as I continue to adduct the arm, my pec contracts much, much more. So if you can understand that concept, it, it's pretty plain to see that you're better off probably with a cable fly, a machine fly, where you can come across the center body line. Definitely a dumbbell, you know, a dumbbell press. Uh, varying angles those are going to be a, a, a better a better a better exercise choice a more optimal exercise choice if your goal is to build your chest than a bench press but 
you know, because you're a bro and you want to tell tell your boys that you bench press 315, you, you're bench pressing at the cost of hurting your shoulders. So so get your shoulder fixed and if if you're there to, if you're there to, to get a big big chest, maybe 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 expand a little bit and, and focus upon other exercises that don't bother your, your shoulder but will offer a better stimulus for pec growth. Also uh, neutral grip. You know, neutral grip tends to be a little more shoulder shoulder friendly when it comes to pressing. Um, Kabuki makes an epic barbell that we actually have here called a, a Cadillac bar. Um, that that feels great on the shoulders. Um, when you're doing a press, uh, you could just do neutral grip dumbbell press, use a traditional football bar. There's a lot of other options rather than being, um, you know, rather than limiting yourself and being being married to, to certain barbell lifts. Um, and, and even if you are a competitive powerlifter, you can train neutral grip, you know, to, to save the shoulder, you know, right up until competition, you can kind of work that barbell in. So if you are, if you do happen to be a competitive pilot and you are trying to add pounds to your bench, that's why you're bench pressing and you're having shoulder issues and you're coming up on a competition, that's the only time training through injury is, is understandable and appropriate. Um, you, you, you can mitigate that pain and perhaps get a little bit more quality work done by implementing a neutral grip bar and then cycle in a straight bar, um, you know, being super specific isn't always necessary, e- even in powerlifting. Um, so, so that so that kind of covers that that half of, of the delusions. the the other The other piece I want to touch on um, when it comes to people who are delusional and, and and how that's holding them back is is what's up with all this fucking negative self talk? You know these these. Um, these self-imposed limitations that people basically uh, choose to create themselves. I can't, I can't, I won't, I'm this, I'm that. You know, where, where do I begin in addressing this? We, I think it's so important to understand that we, what, what we are, who I am right now sitting in this chair and who you are, wherever you are listening to this podcast, what we are, okay, is is essentially the cumulative sum of of everything we've chosen to put our bodies through physically in reference to exercise activity or lack thereof we are the sum of everything we've chosen to put in our mouths and feed ourselves uh, along along with whatever else we we decide and choose to expose ourselves to what what we ingest you know what what we what we watch what we consume on social media movies uh what, what we listen to on the radio what we podcast and also what what we tell ourselves you know th- th- that's what creates who we are and and your perspective and how you see yourself might be very well might be the the biggest ingredient that constitutes who you are today right now and who you're going to be i think it's so important to be aware of that um for one you know when you look at you know people people try and say they're this they're that and 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 they they try and you know, they, they they don't have they don't have, they don't take responsibility. You know what, what I am right now. I today sitting right here. I am the cumulative sum of my choices. Do do I choose to exercise? Do I choose to feed myself? Do I choose to go easy on the booze? Um, do I follow a diet? Do I get my rest? Am, am, am I training hard? That that's what creates what we are. You know nothing else. It's up to you. It's it, it's your responsibility. It's 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 the cumulative sum of your choices and. Again, what, what we choose to expose ourselves to, what we consume f- 
from you know from on our cell phones, the videos we watch, the podcasts we listen to, uh, what we watch on Instagram. That also contributes to to what we are and who we are, and also how we talk to ourselves. So this negative self talk has to fucking stop. That is such a uh, that that's the wrong choice. You know how how you talk to yourself, how you view yourself. You 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 can choose. You can choose your inputs. You can choose how you see yourself. And I can tell you right now, choosing to, to create these, these false limitations is the wrong fucking choice. I have a quote, one of my favorite quotes. It's, it's, it's right above the mirrors, above the dumbbells in the back of the gym. And it's the, the, those that think they can and those, those that believe they can and those that believe they can't are both right. And that's true. So when it comes to these delusions... I want people. I want you to be. I want you to, to take a second and, and be re, and be really aware and take responsibility for, for one, what what you're doing with yourself. You know, are you holding yourself accountable? Are are you exercising? Are you following a plan? Are you following a diet? Are you conscious of who you surround yourself with? Are you conscious with what you choose to watch? What you choose to expose yourself to? What you're listening to? And also, think about how you talk to yourself. It, it, it's it's literally going to pave the way for, for, for where you go and what you become. Um, don't, don't choose to limit yourself. It's, it's, it's the wrong choice, all right? Uh, let's go on to number two. Reason number two, you spend way too much time and energy patting yourself on the back every time you accomplish anything. Whenever you, like, eat a clean meal or, like, don't eat that donut, properly prep your food for a week or crush a workout. If you're one of these people that thinks that's a big deal, I can safely assume you ain't doing shit. These, these tasks that you're glorifying are the fundamental minimums. These are the things you need to be doing every day consistently, like forever. No exceptions. So figure it out. All right, number two. That may have you know triggered or offended a few of you. And, and if it did, um, get off the podcast. This isn't for you, okay? This is just the beginning. Um, I'm not. I'm not the type to coddle, to make excuses, to tell you to tell you're okay. I don't do participation trophies. All right. The, the the whole point of this message is to provide some value and, and get get everybody to fucking step it up a little bit, set a higher standard. So if um if that struck a nerve, you should probably stop listening now. If 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 if, if you like that, if you like what you heard, then uh, then turn it up, tune in. We're going to talk about this a bit, okay? Um. So. We all start somewhere, and I'm completely sensitive to that. I understand. But you know something? At the same time, similar to what I said in the last point, perception and perspective is everything. And I, I really think it's it's important to understand that, that glorifying everything, uh, these small victories, and they are small victories, then it's not going to serve you long term. You know, So if you're somebody that, that that's – if I remember correctly, what actually triggered this point was uh, – Seeing these, seeing these gallon jugs around the around the gym and out in public, these people that walk around with these gallon jugs that they buy, and, and on the side of the jug it has like these these quotes, these like these coaching quotes, these these um, these encouraging lines along the bottle, right? And at the, at the top of the bottle it says, you know, going to be a great day, going to drink all my water, and then like you know, as, as you drink your water, you go down to the next line, and it's like. Eight ounces down, keep going, and then like halfway, it's like halfway there, and then you, you you get the point. We've all seen them, you know. And and I just I look at these bottles, and I'm like, dude, if 
if, if you are, are, are that excited and, and you need these inspirational, motivational quotes to get through a gallon of water, and I, you know, I, you, I think I think you got to raise the fucking bar a little bit. The same thing goes for, um, you know, prepping your food, m- making good choices, not eating junk. You know, th- th- these are the fundamental tasks that 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 are going to need to be done. These are the foundational tasks. You you, you need to. To, to get over your childish emotional attachments to foods that you know you shouldn't be eating. They're not going to serve you. And as, as you start to eliminate these, these foods, you're, gonna, you're really going to become more cognizant and aware of how certain foods make you feel. Um, you know, when you eat things that you shouldn't be eating, you're going to feel like dog shit. I, I know when I go off plan, I feel like a big soggy bag of wet dicks. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely a little more sensitive than others. I'm kind of ashamed to admit it, but like if I don't, if I eat something I'm not supposed to, I, I, I feel it. I don't feel well, especially like um, my joints, you know, I, I'm, I'm achier. Um, not only do I, do I feel looser and feel more watery, but my joints, all these injuries I've dealt with, my aches, my pains are so, so much worse when I'm not on plan. So, you know, glorifying and getting all excited because you prepped your food for the week, you, you, you got to get over it. You got to get past that. that. That just has to happen. Um, another thing that, that really challenges me is when people get really excited when, you know, when they, I really didn't feel like training today, uh, but I, but I got to the gym, I, I got to work on it, even though I didn't feel like it. And they, it's like, dude, what, what do you think? You, you think people like me and, and, and people in the industry and fitness professionals and professional athletes, you think, you think we're always fucking motivated and excited to train? We're not. But you know what? We, we fucking do it anyway because we've developed habits and rituals. And you know what? As, as humans, we, we are only as successful as our habits and rituals. Um, you know, it, it, it really is that simple. I actually um, was asked to, to work. This guy named Tom McMahon reached out. He, he covered a uh, strongman event I did a couple of years ago, a New York Strongest Man. And he, I believe he was hired by, by Todd, the New York rep, to, um, to cover the event. And he put together a video, and um, I was just blown away by the video. I, I'd never met Tom, but um, he, he 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 recorded a video. He did a shoot of, of the event, and um, I just thought it was so great. You know, I just really loved the way that he did it. And I actually, you know, I reached out to him. This is years ago, and I just I I just told him I said, "Hey, man, this video is fantastic." Um, I actually was fortunate enough to be in the video quite a bit. Um, there were a lot of clips of me competing. And um, I just said, dude, hats off to you. This is such a great edit. I think it's awesome. And he, he, he thanked me. And I hadn't heard from him, but about three or four months ago, he must have heard me on one of the podcasts I did recently. And he reached out and said, hey, I was wondering if you'd want to work with me again. I said, yeah, what are you thinking? And he basically uh, said that one of the points I was talking about is um, basically how growing up I was, I, I was shit. I, I was an awful athlete. I was really one of the worst on the team's of all the teams I played, you know, growing up playing soccer, playing basketball, I was really not uh, naturally gifted in, in athletics whatsoever. Um, and in the podcast, I talked about how I just kind of accepted that some people were good at things and some people weren't. Um, and I just kind of accepted mediocrity and kind of lived that path for years and years and, and, and until really not until my, my early 20s. So I started lifting weights when I was 13 and I just stuck with it because I loved it. And fast forward 10 years, I started training uh, professionally. I, I was a personal trainer at a Boston sports club on the east side, and I was very fortunate to get very busy very, very quick. 
And I was the master trainer after being there for only three months. I was I was the highest grossing trainer. I had the biggest business. And I was the biggest, strongest guy in the gym. And I'm kind of looking around. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, you know, I could be considered the best trainer here. How did how did this happen? You know, how, how did I get here? And I just thought about it. And I was like, shit, I, I got here because... 10, 11 years ago, I fell in love with lifting weights and I've been in the gym three hours every day since just because, just because I, I liked the way I felt when I lifted weights. I, I felt good. I felt tight. I felt pumped up and I, and, I, and I hated the way I felt when I wasn't lifting weights. I felt like shit. I felt loose. I didn't feel tight. So I, I'd, I'd lift weights and, I, and I'd go home and I couldn't wait to do it again the next day. And that kept me in the gym relentlessly for 10 years. And then I started training and and it was just something that I worked at, something that I consistently applied honest effort to over, you know, over the course of 10, 11 years. And, and at that point, I, I, I had found success. So it was at that, it was at that moment where I kind of had this, this epiphany where I was like, you know, I have the potential to be great. I have the potential to be the best or close to it in, in anything. All I have to do is I have to, I have to try. I have to put in effort, you know, and, and that was a huge kind of moment for me and I guess that really resonated with Tom so he wanted to put together this documentary just kind of talking about that um, and, and he thinks he, he, he believes that he could have an impact on a lot of people and the reason why I bring this up is um, we did some we did a bit of recording and I put a I put a short kind of teaser up where, where I talk about kind of the point I was just making so I'm, I'm gonna play that for you now do you have bad days oh, absolutely they, they, they come more often than good days if I had to put a number on it, it'd probably be like 10 to 1, you know? I'll tell you what, if, if I only exercised and if I only trained, if I only showed up to work when I felt like it, I'd be broke and I'd be a fat, lazy piece of shit, you know? The days that I don't feel like it come, come far more often than the ones that I do. But I always show up because I know that that's necessary. That might be the biggest determining factor as far as what determines where we end up is the people that are able to show up and do what needs to be done and really be present and really apply effort on the days they don't feel like doing it. So that um that little minute clip was was very very well received. I got so many uh, great messages and and it was shared I think like 500 times. Because I, I think it's so important to understand that, you know, not, not everyone feels like doing it, I, I can assure you. And I wasn't exaggerating. I, I, I don't feel like it 90% of the time, but I still show up. I always, and I'll, I'll always show up. You know, that, that, that's a choice. That's a decision I made a long time ago that I am just going to do what's necessary to get to where I want to go. And, and, you know, it's, it's non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable. And it doesn't matter how I feel. My feelings are irrelevant. If I have things to do, if I have tasks to complete that day, I show up, I get up, and I do it. And I don't glorify it. I don't think it's impressive. I don't think it's anything special. I just believe that it's what it takes. And that's the standard that I hold myself to. And I, I encourage other people to realize that they are 100% capable of doing the same thing. So raise the bar for yourself, guys. That, that's kind of the point. Um, and I hope I, I hope I explain that effectively. Let's check out. Let's see. Let's see what number three is here. Hold on. 
Reason number three, your training partners suck. Because of your ego, you refuse to get involved and associated with people who are significantly better than you. Get humbled, find these people, work with them and learn from them. The strongest person in the room is in the wrong room. That's a fact. So there's reason number three. Um, I think that's a great point. I, I, I really do. The strongest person in the room is in the wrong room. The smartest person in the room is in the wrong room. The, the best way to guarantee progress, the best way to guarantee growth is to surround yourself with people that are much better than you, stronger than you, smarter than you, more motivated, more successful. Because show me your friends, I show you your future. You know, we are products of our environment. And I think sometimes as we develop an ego, as we get comfortable, you know, it, it probably feels nice to be the strongest guy. It feels nice to be the strongest, uh, the, the, the smartest guy or smartest girl. But you know what? It, it's tough. It, it's tough to keep growing if, if you're the one doing all the teaching, if you're leading all the time. So I think it's really important to, to kind of be aware of that and, and to seek, to seek uh, people that can help, people that are better, people that are stronger. Um, coaches have coaches, you know? I, uh, I I have a coach. I, I have a coach now. Right now, I'm working with Josh Bryant. I have been for a couple months. Um, before then, I was kind of doing my own programming for a couple years. But that's because before that, I had worked with other coaches. I worked with uh, my buddy here, Ben Trebelli. He helped me a great deal. And um, I learned a ton from him as far as program design and um, higher frequency approaches. And I, I, I also work with... Uh, Matt Wenning, I ran his uh, approach to the conjugate method for a few months after he put on a seminar at the gym. I, I worked with Brandon Allen before that for about a year and a half. He's um, he's a juggernaut guy, and I really enjoyed working with him. I learned a ton, and I love the juggernaut um, application of progressive overload. I use that a ton in uh, in my own training with a lot of my clients. And uh, before that... Um, Someone I work with at my first my first location was John Amore. He was brilliant, um, and he had so much to offer. He studied under Charles Poliquin, um, who you know is, is a pioneer. Someone I definitely had intentions of connecting with at some point, but he ended up passing away before I had a chance to. But John um, took his PICP, I believe it's called uh, the training certification, and, and it was phenomenal. The um, the structural balance protocol he came up with, um, basically understanding the relationships between movements, how to stay balanced, how to bulletproof your system. Um, and John also had a background in gymnastics and um, and then Olympic lifting. So he's someone that I worked side by side with for a long time, and I learned a great deal um, from all these people. And it hasn't stopped. You know, I, I, I strive, I, I really try and do what I can to continue to seek um, you know, the brilliant minds, you know, the best of the best. And, and in today's world, the best of the best is literally just an Instagram DM or a phone call away. Um, and what I've found is people who are very successful and, and, and have, have gone through the trials and tribulations of hard training and done the work and can not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. They're extremely humble and extremely grateful, and they're they're happy to share their to share their knowledge and share their experiences with others. Um, I've been fortunate to be able to fly a handful of guys and girls out here to put on seminars at the gym. Um, and again, you know, I, I continue to work with coaches whenever whenever I can. Um, and when I do work with a coach, this is a very important point. 
me being a coach, me being a gym owner, me being someone that could could argue I have a, I have a grip and I know a couple things. Whether I disagree or not, when I'm working with somebody, I do exactly what the fuck they tell me. Period. Um, no, no, no exceptions. Because as a coach, when I or when they give me a plan to follow, be it a, a training plan or a nutrition plan, at the end of that plan, let's say if we check in in a couple weeks or in a month, they, they are going to take my feedback and make adjustments based upon the understanding that I've done what they've told me to do. It's so important to be compliant. And it's also my belief that any program done and followed and executed to the best of the individual's ability will always yield much better results than the perfect program, if the perfect program even exists, done half-assed. So whatever you do, do it to the best of your ability. You know what? Everything works. Everything works if it's done with intent and with passion and with effort, relentless, honest effort. You will see progress um, as long as there's some semblance of, you know, some 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 application of progressive overload and, and some type of thought put into it. You, you're going to see results. And granted, the the stronger and, and more proficient and more um, advanced you get, you know, the the more specific and the, and the more thought. Um, needs to be applied, but if you're just getting started, if you're if you're training your your training age is three to five years, I mean, everything works. Just execute, do it to the best of your ability. So, like I said, um, don't let your ego prevent you from from seeking people that are better than you. It's 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 the key. It's 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 the fast track to to growth and progress. All right, let's uh, let's see what number four is here. Number four, you stick with the things that you think you're good at. And I stress things that you think you're good at. This is huge. You need to identify, specifically seek out the things that you lack. Assess your weak points. Dress the suck. Aggressively prioritize them. People are just constantly doing the things that they're comfortable with. And that will get you to a certain point, And then eventually, it'll get you nowhere. Probably hurt. If you want the address to Gainesville, right outside your comfort zone. What challenges you should determine your direction. That was good. You should write that down. Your challenges create your direction. All right, reason number four, people stick to the things they think they're good at. Um, again, this, this plays back to the ego, um, but this is, this is a very important point. Again, um, perhaps a, a great example of, of, of this is when I was coming up, uh, when I was in college, so late teens, mostly late teens and into my early 20s, I used to train when I was home. I trained at World's Gym in Seekonk, kind of um, you know a local a local mecca, if you would. You know, a lot of serious lifters went there. A lot of people in the area trained at Worlds. And like I said, I trained there when I was home, and then I would go to college. I went to Bridgewater State, and I trained there, and then I'd come home for Christmas break, go back to Worlds, go back to Bridgewater, then come back there in the summers. And I did that for all four years of college. And I couldn't help but notice, especially when I had when I'd leave for three to six months and then come back and then come back again after four years of doing that. I just noticed that all these guys and girls that were in the gym, at least the vast majority of them, they they never got any bigger. They never got any stronger. They never got any leaner. They never really got anywhere. But they were there. They were there five, six, seven nights a week training, training pretty hard. You know, um, they were there for two, three hours, and and they were always there and. But why weren't they making any fucking gains? And I, and I can tell you, 
it's because they, they continued to do movements and lifts and exercises and workouts that they, that they liked, that, that were comfortable for them, the things that they thought they were good at, things that made them feel good. Uh, I brought up Matt Winning earlier. One of, one of, one of, one of the, my favorite things he had to say that I use all the time is, you know, people go to the gym to pat themselves in the back when they probably should be going to kick themselves in the balls. And that's such a great point. You know, people continue to recycle these exercises and variations of exercises that they, that, that they're good at, that they can do good weight at that, that, that serve their ego. Um, but the thing is, is in the beginning, when you first get started, it's a new stimulus and, and you'll get some gains, you'll get some progress from these movements, but eventually you're, you're going to plateau and, and, and there's a time and when you have to actually really assess these lifts and really assess the weak and the weak points and, and, um, and asymmetries and compensatory strategies and, and, and address them head on. The last line of that point was your challenge creates your direction. And, and that's, that's completely true. Um, to give you an example, create some context. Let's say we're doing a squat workout, right? And, and we have um, six sets of five at, say, 75%. So we're doing six sets of five at 75%. So let's say um, I'm doing that workout. And, and when I'm squatting, I notice that my, my hips are shooting out in the bottom. So I'm losing position in the bottom. So once I finish my six by five at 75, I'm going to choose an exercise or a variation of an exercise that is going to directly address the suck. It's going to directly address the, the issue I'm, I'm dealing with in that, in that squat. And you know what? It's going to be very humbling. It's going to, it's going to suck. It's, it's going to challenge me. It is not going to serve my ego because I'm going to, I'm going to be really bad at it because I am bad at it. That's why I'm having that issue in my squat. So I, I'd probably do a, I'd probably do a pin squat or a long pause squat, or maybe a, a tempo decentric, something to improve my my position, my brace, my coordination in the bottom of that squat. And I'm going to drill that, and I'm going to do that as long as I need to until I fix the issue. And and it, it goes so much far beyond just improving the squat and making making gains. The thing is, is you know th- that approach. Is, is going to dramatically decrease my chances of injury because I'm addressing weak points, um, and 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 a, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And if I continue to push and continue to, you know, add weight to a dysfunctional movement pattern, it's only a matter of time before something breaks. You know, a- adding weight to a dysfunctional movement pattern only strengthens the compensation. If that makes sense, if you if you have an issue, if you have a compensatory strategy or a weakness. Um, or an asymmetry, and you continue to add weight to it, you're only going to strengthen that compensation. You're only going to get better at being shitty. So it's so important to look at look at everything through a microscope and try and pick out and identify the suck and, and, and go there. That, that, that's the path. That, 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 that's where you want to go. And, you know, you, you're going to have to swallow your ego to, um, to do that, but... But it's gonna it's gonna yield better results in the long term. Something else I think that's really important to understand is you know we 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 quantify and classify um, a successful set or a successful lift as you know how heavy it is or how fast it is, right? And and that makes sense. We're we're, we're conditioned to believe that because in athletics, you know, in sports, the highest score wins. In, um, in in track events, the fastest time wins, the furthest throw wins. So why wouldn't we apply the same concepts, the same conceptual understanding to training? You know, if 
if I hit a 315 bench last week and I hit a 325 bench this week, well, then that's that's a win, right? Well, not necessarily. I think it's so important to understand that there are there are so many other aspects to, to movement. There are so many other aspects to to lifting that that create adaptations, that create gains than, than how much it weighs. Um, things like timing, coordination, improving position, the control of the weight, um, speed. You know, wh- where are you feeling it? A, a great a great example, and th- this definitely, th- this attributes to people who are going for strength, but also people who are going, you know, to build muscle. But l- let's let's take hypertrophy for this particular example. If someone if someone were to ask me how many push-ups can you do, well, it, it's kind of two answers. I, I, I could probably do 100 push-ups, but I could also probably do like 12 to 15 push-ups with intent, with proper position, flexing and squeezing. And in those 12 to 15 push-ups, I can make my pecs feel like they're going to tear off the fucking bone. Now, I would argue with complete confidence that that the second option, 12 to 15 push-ups, flexing, squeezing, leveraging intent, proper position is going to yield a, a more optimal stimulus to make my chest grow than just firing off 100 push-ups with, with whatever. Um, so understanding that, you know, if you're trying to build muscle, doing 315 for 10 after doing 315 for eight doesn't mean you're getting bigger did you feel it you know a lot of the times you watch these guys lift they're doing rows they're doing pull downs they're doing presses and you know you you almost want to take a a penalty flag like in football and throw it at them like dude nothing's happening you know there's no tension there's no stimulus being provided to the muscle You, you you're just moving weight you know you you need to 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 have intent you have to create tension you have to apply these concepts to the weight and you know more often than not you're going to have to bring the weight down to be able to do that but eventually once you master these concepts you can add more weight to the bar add more weight to the to to the exercise and then you're going to be able to create more tension with more resistance but you can't sacrifice tension you can't sacrifice intent you can't sacrifice you know i don't like to say this but mind the muscle connection to add more weight you know that that's the that, that that's again like i said earlier that's the language that muscles understand that's the language muscles respond to is tension the same thing is said for um for strength training you know grinding reps and you know even even if a squat is to depth and, and and you get the lift if it if it looks like shit if it's all crooked and out of whack and it's a massive grind and your position and technique sucks that's that's bad practice. If you watch videos and clips of the strongest guys and girls in the world when they're training, it looks effortless because that's better practice. You know, strength is skill. When I'm trying to build a squat, a press, a deadlift, or, or a strongman event, quality practice is what's gonna is what's gonna improve the lift. You ha- you have to think about it as a skill, kind of like um like shooting a basketball. You know. If I want to improve my jump shot, I'm not going to go to the gym and, and throw half court fucking bombers, you know? That that's not going to make 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 my shot better. I'm I'm in the paint, I'm in the key, and I'm practicing timing, position, you know, my touch and 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 and, and af- after I hit and I really feel confident, you know, 
five feet from the rim, then maybe I'll take a step back and then maybe another step back. Quality practice is what's going to improve the, the skill, the skill of the squat, the skill of the deadlift. If you're, if you're grinding the shit out of every rep, not only are you accumulating unnecessary fatigue, but it's bad practice. You know, positioning, coordination, efficiency, control, speed, all of these other aspects of the lift are going to create results and add more weight to the bar than, you know, grinding through heavier sets. Um, I hope that makes sense. Um, but, but basically looking through all of your, looking at all your training through a microscope and really taking deep assessments and, and addressing the things you lack for every exercise or lift you do that feels good that you pat yourself on the back for do two or three that kick you, that kick you right in the balls. Um, that, that's the show, man. That's going to get you there. All right. Moving on to number five. Reason number five. You're too fat to grow. I'm not saying that like you're too fat for this earth or say too fat to be happy. I'm just saying that you're too fat to build muscle. This whole idea of of bulking and all that bullshit is complete laziness. It is ineffective and it's unhealthy. If you want to build muscle, you need to get lean first. You need to be lean enough so that your body can hormonally and physiologically handle the excess calories you need to take in to build muscle. If you're not, your body is just going to lay it down as more fat. And all of you who want to deny this fact are just the ones who need to justify your post-workout donuts. And by the way, where, where the fuck did that come from? Who started? Who? I did. I just did a bunch of deadlifts. So now I'm going to have a donut. Get lean. Get lean first. All right, so this uh, let's take some time and address this one. This this dives into the nutritional side of things. So, listen, this isn't my opinion, okay? I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm not trying to sell you some diet, some fad, some program, some bullshit. This is just the fucking way it works. And uh, it's as simple as that. So, let's dive in, okay? There's a direct correlation between how lean you are and, or how fat you are and how sensitive your body is to nutrients, how well your body assimilates nutrients into cells, into tissue, um, particularly carbohydrates. So the leaner you are, the more insulin sensitive you are, the fatter you are, the more insulin resistant you are. And, and it, so insulin is the hormone that, that, uh, that, that assimilates carbohydrates into cells. So that that's probably the, the most important one to address. But generally speaking, the leaner you are, the better you digest food. We are not what we eat. It's not it's not just calories in versus calories out. Um, in, in in my humble opinion, you know, macros, calories in versus calories out. Um, you know, in my opinion, that's a bit archaic and and kind of a limited means to understand and manage uh, nutrition. And and hopefully, this explanation will will give you some more insight into why. Okay, so we're not what we eat, we're what we absorb. And regardless of whether you're hitting macros or within your caloric window or not, if you're not eating food that your body can't digest, you're, you're just spinning your tires in the mud. So first, understanding what foods digest well. Um, I, I'm sure many of you are familiar with the vertical diet. That's kind of the, the premise behind it is basically rather than having a horizontal approach and having a bunch of different sources, you create uh, a baseline of a more vertical approach where you start off by eating solely foods that are understood to digest well. Um, and then once you get on that plan and you eliminate 
a lot of sources and you're eating ones that definitely digest well, you start to feel a lot better. Um, bloating, water retention, gastric distress, all this stuff goes away because we're eating foods that digest well. Then at that point, you can start adding other things in and, and you'll know how, how, how well you digest them because you, you'll feel, you'll feel it if it's off. You'll, you'll, because you've created this, this baseline of foods that digest well. So it's so important to first understand, you know, what, what foods absorb and digest well per the individual. Um, and, and generally speaking, um, eggs, uh, red meat, white rice for carbohydrates and uh, non-cruciferous low FODMAP vegetables. So, Avoiding things like broccoli, cauliflower, um, Brussels sprouts, even things like oatmeal. You know, the, these are on the FODMAP and they can cause gastric distress, bloating, water retention. And again, there's an individual bias to all this. But what's interesting about foods on the FODMAP is that their their, their effects are, are cumulative. So, you know, could, could I sit down and have half a cup of oatmeal? Yeah, I'd probably be fine. But the thing is, is if I have oatmeal, broccoli, cauliflower on the same day, those are all healthy foods or considered to be healthy foods, and they are healthy. They're, they're, they, they have micronutrients in them. They, they contain fiber, and they are healthy sources, but they're on the FODMAP. So if I keep hitting the FODMAP, I'm going to feel bloated. I'm going to feel like shit because their effect, the, the effect of these foods is, is cumulative. Additionally, you know, I'm a bigger guy, so I'm 270 pounds, and in order to grow, I, I got to eat a lot of food. I got to eat, eat a lot of carbohydrates in particular. So if, if I, if I want to have 100 or 150 carbohydrates in, in a sitting and I try and get those carbs from oatmeal, I am going to feel like a bloated, big, soggy bag of wet dicks, okay? So, you know, instead of leveraging oatmeal, you know, it's dose-dependent. It's serving-dependent. So instead of using oatmeal, I'll, I'll use white rice. White rice digests perfectly among almost all populations. White rice is a staple. So... Hopefully that gave you some more insight into into choosing your sources. But additionally, the, the original point I was trying to make is that there's a direct correlation between how lean you are and how well your body um, assimilates nutrients and digests nutrients. So the reason why I bring up this point is to give you some some context and a better understanding of why you know bulking and cutting is is foolish. So a lot of a lot of guys and girls will, will, will be on a bulk and they, and they, and they want to bulk for one because they want to be able to eat what they want, eat a bunch of fucking garbage. But the thing is, is, is if you're not lean enough, if you bulk and you eat excess calories, especially if those calories are garbage food, you're, you're just going to store them as more fat. You're, you're not going to assimilate these calories into muscles because you have to be lean and nutrient sensitive and insulin sensitive to be able to do that. Where, where, where does that happen? For men, generally speaking, and again, there's an individual bias to all this, and it's heavily affected by muscle mass. This is a huge point, and they're starting to talk about this a bit more in the industry, which is great. They're actually starting to link obesity or, or basically communicate obesity as just as much, if not more, an issue of lack of skeletal muscle than overeating. And I think that's a great point. I think it's a great way to conceptualize obesity. The reason why you're so fat is because you don't have enough muscle. Um, and, and I think understanding that and, and pushing that concept rather than trying to get people to cut calories um, is, is a great approach. It's a great way to understand it. Instead of trying to cut calories eat foods that digest well, feed your body so you feel good and you can train hard and build muscle because muscle is what's going to burn the calories. Muscle is what's going to assimilate nutrients. Muscle is active contractile tissue. The more muscle you have, the more food you can handle and the less fat you're going to be. So with that being said, 
when, if you want to bulk, if you want to grow, if you want to build muscle, the, the point I'm making is you need to get lean first. So again, what is lean? Less than 15% body fat, generally speaking for a male, and less than 18% body fat, generally speaking for a female. Females get a little break. They carry a little more body fat than men do because they have ladies part, lady parts. Good for them. So basically... Regardless of what your goals are, when I first meet with somebody, I'm going to do a biosignature, 12, 12, 12 skin fold caliper test. I'm going to get your lean mass, your fat mass, some insight in your body's hormonal pathways. And the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to try and get you leaner. I'm going to get you, I'm going to put you in a position so that your body can assimilate nutrients and digest food well. I want to develop and create sensitivity to nutrients, okay? Because the more sensitive you are, the better you are going to be at assimilating these nutrients. To give you an example of how this works, let's say you and I are sitting in the same room right across from each other. Let's say I'm 10% body fat and you're 20%, 20% body fat. And you and I eat the same 100 grams of white rice. Like I said before, white rice is a great example because it digests well so we can check that box. You and I have the same 100 grams of white rice. I'm 10% body fat, you're 20% body fat. So me first, okay? So me being 10%, which is significantly less than 15 that rice is going to go into my, my stomach, into my small intestine. It's going to get digested, broken down, converted to glycogen. It's going to pass through my small intestine, and I'm going to have, say, 100 units of glycogen floating around my bloodstream. Now, because I am insulin sensitive and lean enough to do something with these nutrients, my pancreas is going to recognize those 100 units of, ins- of, of glycogen. It's going to release the necessary amount of insulin to assimilate those nutrients into muscle cells to be used as energy. Okay? Awesome. Great. Wonderful. Now, if you are 20% body fat or 25 or 30, of course, the fatter you are, the, the, the worse this is, but you're more insulin resistant. So basically what's going to happen is, is when those carbohydrates go through the small intestine and get converted into glycogen, they don't really have anywhere to go because your body, again, is resistant to those nutrients. You are much more likely to assimilate and store those store store those those nutrients into fat cells than you are muscle cells because of your insulin resistance. So if you're bulking, okay, and you start a bulk at 18, 20, 22% body fat and you eat a bunch of shit calories and you gain 30 pounds, I can almost guarantee you if I were to take your biosignature or take your body fat when you started at 18 to 20% and you gained 30 pounds, I can almost guarantee you that the majority, if not all 30 of those pounds, is just more body fat. It's not muscle. Because you are not in a physiological hormonal position to be able to assimilate those excess calories you're eating into muscle cells. It is so important to get lean and nutrient sensitive first. So how do we do that? All right. In the onset, let's say if you're... 20%, 25%, 30% body fat, whatever it may be, as a male or female, a strategy I like to use in the onset is a carb backloading strategy. So basically what that does is it's going to put the majority, if not all, your carbohydrates post-exercise. Now, why do we do that? Because when we exercise, when we strength train in particular, we are contracting muscles, okay? And when, when we contract muscles and squeeze muscles, the body is going to release the stored glycogen that is contained in those muscles to be in, into the bloodstream to be used as energy. So if you understand that concept, you can already kind of see that if I, if I release that stored glycogen that's stored in the muscle cells during weight training 
And if I ingest carbohydrates post-training, they're going to have a place to go. Even if I'm a bit insulin resistant because I have a high body fat, at least if I put most, if not all my carbohydrates post-exercise, this carb backloading structure, they're going to have a place to go after weight training. I also may give you a a shot of carbohydrates, uh, some type of simple carb that will increase, you know, that will secrete some insulin before bed because it'll help, it'll help you fall into deeper sleep. But I'll use that carb backloading structure um, in the onset to try and try and get you leaner. I will, I will also, if you want to talk about macros, you know, I'll create a, a bit of a caloric window. And, and as far as macros, I'm going to press your protein up. I may press your protein as high as 1.8 to two grams of protein per pound of body weight. Now, why would I do that? Well, Protein costs the most to digest. It's called the thermic, the, the, the thermic, uh, thermogenic effects of food or something like that. So protein actually burns calories. It, it, it costs you to digest it. So if you're trying to lose weight, we'll probably fill the majority of your plate with protein and or vegetables, fiber. And then we will implement carbohydrates, like I said, post-exercise using carb backloading structure. Now, as you continue to get leaner, and you should consistently get leaner following this plan. If we give you food that your body can digest well, if we strategically manipulate your macronutrients by pressing the protein up to increase the, the thermogenic effect of food, we're going to give you more fiber, more vegetables, micronutrient-dense foods. It's going to make everything in your body uh, function better. And we're going to put you know, 30, 50, 70 grams of carbohydrates post-exercise, maybe another 30 or 50 before bed. Um, I don't want to go no-carb. Um, especially for females, you know, females should always have at least 50 grams of carbohydrates in, in their diet for hormonal issues. And, and men too, you know, no, no, no carb is, is solid. It may speed the process along, but again, carbs make insulin, carbs secrete insulin and insulin is, is growth. You know, in, insulin is, is the most anabolic hormone available. So, I'd like to use it a little bit, even if you are overweight. If I do it post-exercise, it's going to help build some muscle during this process. And yes, you can build muscle and burn fat during the same phase of training. You, you, You can't do it in the same moment. That's a common misconception. People think that you're either, you know, you're either bulking or cutting. You're either gaining or losing. In any, in any particular moment, yes, your body is either burning or building, but in, in a, in a four-week, eight-week, 12-week, 16-week block, you can build muscle and burn fat within that same time period, um, especially if you're someone that, that's overweight, especially if you're new, especially if, especially if you have a low training age. Obviously, if you're you know, super jacked and super strong and super lean, you kind of got to go in one direction or the other. But realizing that if you improve your sources, you use strategies like carb backloading and you know eat the right amount of foods at the right times, over the course of two, four, six, eight weeks, you are going to see your body fat decrease and your lean mass go up without a doubt, all right? So essentially what will happen is we will use that strategy, continue to press up your training, continue to manipulate your, your nutrition until you get leaner. And um, in, in, in my experience, that alone can get people from 30 to 25 to 20 to 18 the thing is, is, is what got, is what gets you from 30 to 25 isn't going to get you to 20. You know, the leaner you are, the, the harder you have to work, but that's fine because we're developing fitness. We're getting stronger. We're getting more fit. We're getting more comfortable being uncomfortable. We're doing this in a sustainable manner so that 
as we get leaner, we can continue to upregulate our training, upregulate our expenditure to keep things moving in the right direction. Once um, the gains start to slow, sometimes, you know, if we're, if we're still not at that 18% for a female, 15% mark for a male, I can implement some, some carb uh, cycling. So maybe press the carbs up a bit for your lower body days, have kind of a moderate carbohydrate on your upper body days, and maybe go no carbohydrate and increase your cardio a bit on on your off recovery days. That that tends to get things moving again if it stalls. But basically, once we get to a insulin sensitive place, again, you know, less than fifteen percent for a man, less than eighteen percent for a female. And a lot of the times when when I'm working with a guy or a girl and they get to those numbers, I can ask them be like, hey man, how are you feeling? Or how how's everything going? Are you recovering well? Are you happy with the diet? Do you feel good? They're usually like, yeah, I feel great. So Usually, even if we are at 15% for a man or 18% for a woman, I'll ask us, hey, can we stay the course? Can we keep trying to get a little bit leaner? Because, hey, the leaner we get, the more we can push food. Because the leaner you are, the more sensitive you are. And a lot of the times, they're fine with that. So I'll keep on keep on trucking. You know, see if I can get a guy to, to between 10 and 12%, get a female between 13 and 15. They are going to be so nutrient sensitive that once I start increasing their carbohydrates, and that's the next step, Maybe uh, I'll give them 30 to 50 grams of intracarbohydrates. Maybe I'll give them some pre-workout carbohydrates, increase the amount of carbohydrates in, in other meals. Um, the last place I tend to put carbs is breakfast. Um, I like fat, fiber, and protein for breakfast for, for a lot of reasons. Uh, but maybe when we do a, a more nutrition-based podcast, I'll talk more about that. But basically, the leaner you get, the more carbohydrates you get. And as I continue to increase carbohydrates for these individuals, I'm going to continue to measure them. I'm going to continue to do body fat analysis because I want to make sure that as I'm increasing their carbohydrates, their lean mass is going up, which is what we want. But I I don't want the fat mass to go up too, too much. I don't want to spill over. I don't want to press the carbohydrates too too high because they'll 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 fall back into being insulin resistant. So basically we can press carbs up for a period of time, but once they start to float up, once they start to float up above that that range, maybe we'll go back to the carb backloading structure and just just kind of monitor as so we can keep things going in the right direction. Um, you know, it's it's fat loss versus weight loss, okay? Um, you know, just just cutting calories to you know, improve your energy balance. Uh, again, like I said, I feel like that's kind of an archaic and, and simple way to, to look at nutrition. Um, if, if, if you want to lose weight, I mean, I could give you a Snickers bar and a protein shake a day and you would lose weight because your calories would be so low. But you got to realize when your calories are that low, your body's going to downregulate all of its systems. It's going to slow everything down. You're going to have shit energy. Your libido's going to suck. You're, you're not going to be able to train hard. It's like... I, I, instead, I, I want to upregulate these systems. I, I want to realistically, even if you want to lose weight, I, I want to give you as much food as possible so you feel great, your energy's through the roof. And, you, and you're probably thinking, Steve, if I'm, eating, if I'm eating more food or if I'm eating a good amount of food, how am I going to lose weight? Well, you're going to lose weight through the caloric expenditure of your training. We're talking about fat loss, not weight loss, right? So rather than having the the concept and the idea of cutting calories and losing weight, losing weight, less calories, more expenditure, lose weight, lose weight, rather than having that idea, that be the driver of your training. Instead, think about gains. Think about building strength. Think about increasing skeletal muscle. That is the jam. Who cares what the scale says? If your body fat is less and your muscle mass is up, you are going to be just a more capable um, stronger, 
better, more, you know, just, just, just more capable human. Um, take up some space, you know? Why do you want to lose all this weight? You want to lose fat. Build muscle, burn fat. Fat loss, not weight loss. Um, yeah, I think that's enough for nutrition for, for, for today. I hope all that made sense. Hope that gave you some more insight into nutrition and, 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 uh, and gave you kind of an idea or a baseline on, on how to diet. All right, so that just about wraps up today's episode. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Top Strength Cast. I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as we enjoyed putting it together. Uh, if you did, in fact, enjoy it, please leave a five-star review, like, share, whatever it may be to help get the word out. We really appreciate the support. And also, your, your feedback. Your feedback means a lot to me. Feel free to reach out, uh, shoot me a DM directly at StripCam, or comment below. You know, Like I said in the intro, it's most important to me to offer as much value through this platform as possible, and it's, it's very helpful in doing that to, to get your guys' feedback. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear. Um, you know, I really want to provide the, the best service possible. So thanks again so much for listening. We'll see you guys over there, and we'll see you next week for the next episode. Thanks again.